My name is Henry Warrenitz, and I teach at Indiana University in the theater department. Cool. Okay. Is that enough? That is fine. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, so The Tempest is a, um, I, I was going to try to characterize it as a play that I liked or didn't like, like in, you know, as, as, a, as a Shakespeare reader, as an yeah. occasional theater goer, I'm not much of a theater goer here, having moved here, I have more opportunity to do it sure. and it's sure. more interesting, um, uh, in that sense. Uh, and, but I read more than I go to them, obviously. And so to me, The Tempest does seem, um, one of those plays where I'm not quite sure and I'll be interested to see what you do with it. Wh- quite sure how it lives from the page to the stage, right? So there, there is yeah. a. Re- to me, it's a very philosophical play. It is very much, yeah. So how how do you take that to the stage and and hopefully capture some of that? Well, it's uh, you know you you start by digging into the themes of the play, which are about in some ways about forgiveness and uh, certain there's a certain undercurrent of revenge that that uh, th- threads through the play as well as. Uh, and the human impulse to kind of um, get more than you need in some ways to overtake somebody else in a situation or become monetarily superior or just more power or something. Uh, the, the play lives in those ideas. And as you said, it's very, it is a very philosophical play. It's, it's considered the last play that Shakespeare wrote probably on his own. He, as a young writer, he collaborated with other writers. He did a lot of uh, what we would call today kind of play doctoring with other stories and things. And then late in his career, he wrote with a couple other younger writers, Beaumont and Fletcher particularly, and maybe Thomas Middleton. But um, The Tempest is kind of his last play that people think of as his own. And it's also it's the last of a series of plays that uh, that tend to be a little more philosophical. That we, we call them the romance plays, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Pericles, Cymbeline, um, Winter's Tale and The Tempest. Yeah, frankly, plays you don't hear of generally, other than The Tempest. Yeah, and some of them are called problem plays because mm-hmm. they don't, they don't, they're not categorized very neatly. Mm-hmm. Um, the th- the common thread in those plays there is all about forgiveness and kind of redemption, and also um, the lost child. Mm-hmm. In in and there's a the symbol, um, uh, there's a young girl who runs away from home and kind of has to disguise herself as a boy, and she doesn't really get lost, but there's there's a journey she goes on that she has to come back, and, and she thinks she loses her husband and has been killed, but it turns out he's not been killed, and they reunite at the end. Um, in The Tempest, uh, in the uh, Winter's Tale, uh, excuse me, in Winter's Tale, there's a young daughter who is abandoned because the father thinks it's not his, and mm. 16 years later she comes back. Uh, similar idea in Pericles. Um, Shakespeare had something going on in his own life about his daughters. Probably it's always it's always a risky thing to kind of step into the biography <laughs> right. Right. of a writer like that, uh, particularly before the age of biographies even began. Um, writers at that time really didn't write about themselves right. and their work. Um, and, um, and of course, the Tempest has not necessarily a lost daughter, but. Prospero and his daughter have been mm-hmm. removed from society, and part of the the structure of the play is about him trying to get her back. Mm-hmm. He, he's very determined to, to work out this plot where he's going to br- gather his enemies through his magic to this island that he's been abandoned on, and one of the enemies has a, a son who he wants to match up with his daughter so they can be king and queen at some point in time. Yeah, um, we do have a... Um, uh, daughters is interesting there, too. I think also in the play... Um, uh, Who's the other king? Alonzo? Alonzo, yeah. Is it Alonzo or Antonio that marries off 
a daughter uh, in Naples Al- or in Tunis. Um, or Alonzo had a, a, a daughter that married, mm-hmm. got married in Tunis, and then she loses her son in supposed mm-hmm. the shipwreck. Right, and uh, so she is also lost to him in a sense uh, yeah. throughout. I mean, they had, this is a, a, a speech at some point that yeah. says, I'll, I'm not going to see her again. Yeah, and, and also she thinks she's, we've cast a woman as Alonzo in this production, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we've done a lot of some non-traditional casting in it, um, partly out of necessity, partly out of just kind of trying to give people more roles. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, in a sense, Alonzo has also lost her son in the course of the Tempest, or she thinks, and it turns Mm -hmm. out Ferdinand is very much alive, part of Prospero's plot. But as you said, the the philosophy of the play about forgiveness and redemption and and what it takes to realize that one is human, um, it's one of the great moments of the play where the the airy spirit, Ariel, who is um, basically an indentured servant that Prospero has been using, um, describes the torment that Prosper has put his his uh, enemies through, that they're all kind of uh, twisted and captive in kind of a trance. And they, she, Ariel mentions that uh, the old Lord Gonzalo, who is a friend of Prosper's, mm-hmm. is crying about it all. And and she says, you know, that your your spirits would become tender if you saw this. And Prospero doesn't kind of buy that. He says, you think so? And she says, yeah, mine would, sir, were I human. <laughs> right, right. And that's a big turning moment in the play for Prospero mm-hmm. that he realizes it's a small little moment, but he realizes that he has to give up this magic and give up this idea of revenge. To what end is he? Twelve mm-hmm. years he's been on this island. He was he gets kicked out of his kingdom by his brother and the king of Naples, Alonzo, has been uh, uh, a confederate in that. And so he's been planning this revenge for twelve years and has acquired these magic powers and spirits mm-hmm. that do his bidding. And then all for what? Just to kind of hurt somebody, to get back at somebody? And That's a fair question, though, yeah. right? All for yeah, what? All for what? That's a big part. I mean, that is a question in the play, right? Yeah. What, it, it what is. is all this for? Yeah. Yeah, especially in terms of the idea of the um, the, uh, the the speech, you know, where all s- such stuff as dreams are made right. on. And right. I think somewhere else, uh, one of the other characters... Again, it's one of the a- a- Antonio and Sebastian maybe talking about, or um, or Alonzo. I don't remember <laughs> talking about the uses the word stuff there as well to talk about how um, the the political machinations back home. He, he, they're they're talking together and they use the word stuff there. It's the only mm-hmm. the, twice the the word is used. Yeah, I think it's if you read any so. Shakespeare, you're yeah. like, oh, there's the word stuff yeah. again, right? <laughs> and should I should I think of them together? Like, what is the stuff that's happening? Right. And it tends to you know, and again as a playwright or to think of, of art here, right? Thematically, mm-hmm. or aesthetically, philosophically, yeah. we are such stuff, right? Yes. And in a sense, Prospero is basically playing with these, these characters, right? I mean, all this is manipulation in the first place. Yes. The storm is manipulation. Uh, Ariel manipulates everything. Caliban is, I don't, we'll talk about Caliban. I'm not quite sure how Caliban he fits in there. But. does his own manipulation. <laughs> right, right, right. He tries very hard to. I think to, he's trying to be Prospero on some yeah, level, which well, is what maybe. we play That's with in our production. Yeah. He's trying to, and, and then gather, and the, 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 these subplots of, of someone trying to oust somebody from power yeah, yeah. are a big part no, of the power, play. Yes, that's right. Power yeah. is a, it's a good, yeah. it's a good play maybe for this time. I don't know. I, maybe for all times where there are power. Richard uh, III may be better for right now. But, uh, <laughs> maybe. Well, I don't <laughs> know where Prospero would be. According yeah. to Shakespeare scholar Stephen Greenblatt, Richard mm, III is right 
Right, right at, our, at our time in the moment. Yeah. So, but why Tempest? I mean, is it part of uh, your role at, in the university to choose this, uh, choose a particular kind of play? Or? I did not choose the play. That's ah, who chose by the play? The, the, the department chair, oh, okay. and, and the, there's a play selection committee every year that goes gotcha. through and picks the 12 to 14 productions that the university does. Do they have a reason quite for a lot. Uh, they'll usually do one Shakespeare every year. I don't know what the, the reason was, particularly for The Tempest. Mm. Um, I think maybe, uh, I, I think part of this is they look at the, um, the, the graduate students that are involved with the productions. Mm. Uh, Matt Murray, who's playing Prosper, this is his thesis role for his okay. third year for his MFA. Okay. So I think they, they sometimes keep those things in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they ask the, those third-year actors what they would like to try to, tackle oh, okay. as their thesis role but I'm, I, I don't know if that comes before or after the plays have actually been selected okay. uh, I'm not sure mm. but um, it's, a, it's, it's a challenging play to do at a university level because there's, there's a lot of older characters in there mm-hmm. um, and drunk characters and drunk drunkenness characters. can get out of hand drunkenness yeah. can get out of hand <laughs> we have. unfortunately there's, there's a good crop of I, I, I'm kind of blessed with um, five or six of the graduate actors are mm. in the production the Prospero the, the uh, um, the Caliban, Alonzo, Antonio, uh, Sebastian, and Trinculo. Mm-hmm. So the six, oh. six graduate That's students good. that are in there, a uh, couple of 30 or couple, uh, several uh, second year. That's good. Hard with those sophomore theater majors. It is. It right? is. Well, we're, we're trying to, I always try to avoid, you know, trying to put too, ma- too much gray makeup in a young guy's hair to <laughs> right. make them look old because it just, it leads to a terrible form of acting, which yeah. is not very good. Yeah. But we've been blessed with that. It's a good cast and everybody's working hard. And then there's, you know, one of the things you do with The Tempest, it's a designer's dream. And so there's mm-hmm. a lot of magic that comes into it. Okay. And we've been, mm-hmm. um, the particular magic we've tried to work on with this one is, uh, an aerial silk work mm. and I've, I've triple cast the aerial so we have three young women that do aerial silk work wow. and I'm working with a, cool. a local um, movement artist named Paulina Makovska who uh, has experience in that and other body manipulations mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, various things that she does in, in her own work she's a, a therapist in town does okay. release active release therapy and mm-hmm. Pilates work and mm. many many different modalities And but she also has this kind of a specialty and a love for uh, dance and aerial work and so she's been working on us with this idea of aerial flying through the play which has been great it's been a great fun to That's work fun, on and, yeah. it's, and it's quite beautiful and of course this lends itself to lighting design and mm-hmm. and the set design is is very unusual i i I wanted to avoid the the idea of um, you know palm trees and water and grass sure. and coconuts and things like that on the island, and that the island, as I told the designers, is in some ways a reflection of Prospero's mind. Mm-hmm. It's filled with fabric and and there's a kind of a circular track in it that keeps going around and around and mm-hmm. people walk on and come in and out of this this round um, oblesque um, walkway and and. Um, it's very the colors in it are very powerful and very un, unnatural. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's I think the design has turned out pretty well. Again, I have a lighting designer and a set designer who are doing their thesis production okay. on these as well, and or maybe a costume designer. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. That. I have all good graduate students doing the design work as well. Well, I would, yeah, it's a, it's an important aspect I would think of that in the theater. You know, again, because it's it's a spare play, it right? Is. So it, is. Uh, it lends itself 
on the stage to doing a lot with it. Yeah. Because you kind of have to fill in. Yeah, in some in, ways. Yeah. It was also it was it was written at a time when the the idea of the court mask was very mm-hmm. important, and this the Tempest was most likely performed indoors, mm-hmm. although it certainly could work outdoors as well. But the and the indoors, the Blackfriars Theater that Shakespeare's company started working on in 1608 is is lends itself to much more intimate lighting, okay. and and there's a lot of music in the Tempest, mm-hmm. uh, the the celebration of the goddesses, and and we've trimmed that down so much so we don't have the harvest men coming through and this okay. and that. Uh, but I want to make that simple, and we've we've done a lot of projection work in this production as mm-hmm. well, which which lends itself to this kind of magic. But the the intimacy of of the play that and which lends itself in a in a simple kind of small space to music and and mm-hmm. dance and shadow play and all things like that. Mm-hmm. Although the the halls theater is not a small space, but we've tried to incorporate that into the production design. Mm. Music is interesting in the play. Obviously, it's the key to Ariel's work. It is in yeah. many ways, and, I, and I've, I'm interested to see how the audience goes with this because I've pushed against that a lot. Mm-hmm. The, the Tempest often turns into a musical, mm-hmm. and okay. you've got to get singers and a composer and all this stuff. And there's some traditional there's some traditional melodies to these songs that I wanted to avoid. So what we've we've found that we've worked with uh, our own sound designer uh, and a, a composer from the the Jacob School. A young student, and and together the two of them have created some some sound beds mm. that the actual lyrics of these songs are kind of spoken over as opposed okay. to sung. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of sound and and tone and musical quality to the play, but it's not what I would call a musical. Mm-hmm. We we I really have wanted to deliberately avoid the singing of songs because mm. it turns into something that it's really sure. not. So we, we love to be kind of spoken mm. spoken word song, which is kind of fun. That's great. Uh, I was just, um, I noticed the other day, and I, I hadn't paid attention to it, but there was a, a Tempest movie not too long ago with Helen Mirren yes. playing Prospero. Yeah, um, the Julie Taymor film. Yeah, and I, 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 I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it. Uh, but I looked. It wasn't at the around of, very long. Okay, if I, I looked at correctly. the beginning of it, yeah. um, and uh, with the shipwreck at the very beginning, yeah. and it's so noisy. I, I couldn't hear a thing that was being yeah, said, right? Yeah. And then, you know, it's part of the issue, part of the problem when you're trying to, I guess, inhabit an imagined work right. is not to overwhelm it in right. so many ways, right? So that was overwhelming to me. And then, of course, Helen Mirren is Prospero, which confused me initially. And I thought, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, but she's very, like, uh, uh, very sweaty at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, she's really working hard on the magic. And right. there's not, to me, there's no sense that that needs to be the case, right? So this is a, a director's decision, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And this is a part of The Tempest in particular. It's a very, I would think, a, a really important play for a director, did you get that sense from the other Shakespeare plays? You thought, you know, I have to make very particular decisions here that will yeah, really affect do. how things go. I, mean, I think it's true of any good play that the director has to have a point of view. You have to kind of decide. In particular, and Shakespeare has so many different themes you can pull out of his plays that you can you can just have a smorgasbord of ideas. Mm-hmm. And if it's not focused somehow, mm-hmm. then the play loses its, its moorings. And I think it's, um, it is important to kind of focus the play in terms of thematic and I've, I've mm-hmm. spent a lot of time with the, the Matt Murray who's playing Prospero and talking about uh, Prospero in many ways is a very angry man mm-hmm. he's got he's he's come to this island he's certainly with good reason he's trying to keep his daughter alive mm-hmm. survive he's, he he has been from what we hear from his story he's been indulging in these arts and magical things and I think on the island in my mind he's kind of enhanced it and found these spirits that have helped him enhance it and he's become a little bit of a tyrant he's mm-hmm. enslaved Caliban again for good reason Caliban, and Ariel and, and Ariel mm-hmm. um, and um, 
and often often Ariel particularly is often played like a version of Puck, who's just kind of a mischievous little sprite. Right. And we've tr- I've tried to keep her uh, angry mm. Uh, mm. on some level that she pushes back against this guy who's got her uh, enslaved in a way. And mm. Caliban does the same thing. I mean that that's their antagonism is much more on the surface. Ariel's I think is more subtle. There was a famous production I saw at the RSC some years ago with uh, Simon Russell Beale, an unusual actor playing uh, Ariel, who's he's a stocky hmm. man, and he's you wouldn't think of him as an Ariel. Um, and Alec McGowan, the late great actor who did, was doing Prospero, and at the end when Prospero frees Ariel, Ariel walked up to him and spit in his face. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little Seems, much, <laughs> but you can see it. But yeah, I mean, because yeah. he, he's yeah. been forced to do all these right, things, and right. he just wants to be free. Right. Uh, and so um, the, the, the dynamics of, of putting a Shakespeare play together in terms of telling the story well and, and making sure that, particularly with young actors, that they, they look at the inconsistencies of character, the things that Shakespeare builds into the plays, mm-hmm. and play them hard and fully uh, will, will, will make the play come to life mm-hmm. with, a, with a great sense of contrast and dynamics, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Well, we mentioned Ariel and Caliban, uh, in a sense, two poles to, I guess, Creatures uh, in the in the play, yeah. uh, Ariel, as you say, light, uh, light and air, and uh, fire, fire and, and air. water. Yeah, I mean, so the, ele- the elemental, the elemental right? things, right? Um, and Caliban of the earth, basically, yep. though yeah. of a devil born and a witch, a right? witch, yeah, right, right, yeah, right? Supposedly, right. Uh, so, uh, Caliban's interesting. He's got very few lines, mm-hmm. right? But he mm-hmm. tends to take over in most people's thinking of the play, yeah. right? Even though the play is primarily Prospero's play. Yeah. Caliban tends to be the, what we center our imagination on. I don't even know how many people necessarily think of Ariel in the play as being the yeah. mass, really as much the manipulator as anything else. Yes. Uh, you know, Prospero says, go do this, right. not how to do it or why to do it or anything, and, and, and right. Ariel gets to do it. Ariel goes off and does it, right. Yeah, and so, uh, but Caliban is, uh, it lives in our imagination, uh, and uh, I think probably throughout has been like a, a maybe the more visible amazing creation. Mm-hmm. Like if you think Ariel was also a, a creature of a different mind, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, I think it was the British critic Tony Nuttall said something mm-hmm. to the effect of, uh, well, actually compared Ariel to Spock, <laughs> <laughs> right? to say, yeah. this is a creature you don't understand. Yeah. And Shakespeare had to create a creature you don't understand, or yeah. that doesn't understand you, mm-hmm. or maybe understands you better than you understand them, mm-hmm. right? As you mentioned, uh, Ariel seeming to say, you should feel bad about what you're doing right, here, right? right. And, uh, but Caliban is also a strange creature, right? Uh, and he kind of overcomes how we think about the play. Now, I noticed, obviously, you mentioned having cast women in particular mm-hmm. roles. So you have mm-hmm. a woman as Caliban, is yes, that correct? Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. She's, a, she's been in many, many productions that I've actually, actually seen. Actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a wonderful actor. Was that a, a conscious decision? Well, uh, we, again, looking for non-traditional opportunities, but mm-hmm. she's very much plays Caliban as a man. She's mm, trying to, okay. you know, because there's a whole thing about him trying to, yeah, to uh, yeah, take yeah. advantage of uh, Miranda. young Miranda. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it was It was a great challenge for her. I've worked with Ashley a, a couple times, and I've had her in class. And so she's uh, um, was really up for the challenge. And we talked early on about what, what she might want to do, and she was very interested in doing something unusual. And I said, well, what do you think? What do you think about Caliban? Is that interesting? And she, and she lit up, and so, and she's great. She's a hard worker, and she's a wonderful actor, and so mm. I'm very pleased with where, where that's going. Uh, but you know, t- Ariel and Caliban are, are, as you said, they're polarities in the play, and and you know, there's a fair amount of criticism talking about uh, that they're a scholarship rather that they're um, they're two sides of Prospero. Mm. They're his intellect and his and his id, 
And, and you know, you can make a good case of that because the, you know, one of the last things Prospero says about Caliban is this thing of darkness, I acknowledge mine. And whether that's part of him or he, he created it because he punished Caliban so, mm-hmm. I think, awfully by what he tried to do, what Caliban tried to do to Miranda. And he's uh, maybe, you know, overstepped it. I mean, yeah. part of the, the theme to this play is how far can we push ourselves right. in certain situations. And Caliban then takes on this this role of the usurper, mm-hmm. much like Antonio ousted, right. ousted um, Prospero from his kingdom. Uh, Caliban has been ousted from his kingdom by this Prospero character and he wants to get it back and he <laughs> finds these two little wandering uh, Stefano and Trinculo who are like Trinculo is great oh, obviously yeah. Stefano's they're, they're like a stand up yeah. stand up comedy act from they're Elizabethan good. times they're and, good. and they just come out and do their stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and they get involved with this crazy monster who wants to um who wants to be very violent? Yeah, he, wants you to know, be very he, violent. he tries and to manipulate them into yeah. taking. And there's taking a great. Places. I mean, the, the character of Caliban, I think, is in many ways uh, provides a great weight for the play because it doesn't just spin off into fantasy. That Caliban keeps bringing back to, I want to commit murder, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, the theme of trying to kill somebody is throughout the play with mm-hmm. and and Antonio and Sebastian, uh, Antonio trying to tempt Sebastian mm-hmm. to kill his the sleeping king Alonso mm-hmm. so he could take over the kingdom, and um, it's, when Antonio <clears throat> had already thought he committed murder, right? I mean, basically, to be I mean, dead. he kind of pushed him out to see and did said, it himself, yeah. 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 And, um, and uh, killed his, ousted your brother and, mm-hmm. and, and from his kingdom. So yeah. that theme runs throughout the play. And then Caliban trying to get his kingdom back. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, they find kind of a, a detente. That, and Cal- Caliban does get his kingdom back. There have been productions that end with, mm-hmm. you know, Prosper goes off at the end, and Caliban comes back out to kind of mm-hmm. establish his kingdom. Oh. Right, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of a... This is a choice. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't yeah. really say anything like that in the play. No, it doesn't. Right? It doesn't. But, you know, the, the, yeah. this is what directors do, trying to tie it up yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So, Well, that is, that's a really interesting point, the idea <clears throat> of it sort of lending weight and, you know, keeping Ariel grounded in some ways, uh, keeping the magic grounded in some ways as yeah. well. The... Um, you know, this, this I guess, is uh, uh, something of the play, too, when you talked about the idea of it being uh, parts of a psyche, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, light and dark. Um, there is, uh, throughout, dreams, sleep, dreams, sleep, right. Uh, right. you know, the, the fringed eyelids, you know, of, of a play. Stuff dreams are made it's, of it's all, yeah. all this, this aspect is, it kind of lays against that uh, kind of nihilism that you, that, you, that you hear in Prospero. Mm-hmm. This is nothing. Right. This mask is nothing. These people right. are nothing. I'm right. I'm manipulating everything here. Mm-hmm. What my, every third thought will be my grave. Right. You know, it, there's nothing there that seems to be uh, hopeful or happy. It's not a happy play, right? There's maybe, I mean, <laughs> generally uh, through pr- through yeah. Prosper, I don't want to take the play. Say the play yeah. is not necessarily happy, yeah. but as you say, Prosper is angry. Very angry. And when he sees Antonio and forgives him, he doesn't forgive him nicely and you don't necessarily believe he forgives him yeah i mean well i think he does the thing that shakespeare does i think that's brilliant there is that he forgives his brother while his brother's still in the trance (laughs) he forgives him the deepest part he says you know flesh and blood brother mine that did this um, okay. I forgive thee, and then and then later when he wakes him up, he says, "I forgive." Then he puts a little spin on it. He right. says, "I forgive thy most grievous fault, all of them." <laughs> right? He doesn't. He can't resist a little bit, right. a very human right. moment of just sticking it in yeah, there yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But it's interesting that Shakespeare okay. he does all. He gets. He brings the court on in a trance, and Prospero kind of right. says something to each of them mm, no, right. um, in in a in a way that is almost like in a dream. It's during his 
he's able to do it in private in a way, mm. uh, which is an and then he does it again in public. And when he when he when he wakes them up and he then he comes in much more settled and assured. Mm -hmm. He says, "Hello, King. I'm Prospero. I'm here." And then he talks to various people and okay. then lets his brother. He forgives his brother and gets his dukedom back. Hmm. But he does it first in private, which I think is really interesting. It is interesting. It's well, a, you know, there's so many ways to think of this as not an actual thing happening. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And uh, that it is, in a sense, a, a an act in the in the brain or in the, dream, in, yeah. dream, in the dream of one person in particular, yeah. as art is a dream of the creator itself, I yeah. suppose, right? I said so, that to the designers. I said, I said, I don't want the audience to kind of see this and go, oh, I get it. But I said, uh, think of the design as, as this is inside Prospero's mind, mm -hmm. that the light changes that quickly, the locale changes that quickly. Mm -hmm. We're not really changing our place, but the light changes and we're like someplace different. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but I said, I don't, I don't want it to be a, a, oh, I get it moment for the audience. I'm right. not trying to be that heavy handed with it, but think of it as that. And so, which was another reason why I kept kind of realism out of the play, the, the no trees, the, okay. the things that represent, there are big hung, hanging pieces of cloth that kind of represent sails, but also uh, they pick up this idea of the aerial silk that we see in very th three specific places on the stage that Ariel comes out and manipulates and flies on. Um, and then it's all, it's, so it's all connected to his mind in that way. And these creatures and everything is in his mind it's it's an it's an it's also unique in Shakespeare's plays in that it it takes place in the time in the amount of time it takes to perform it 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 I got you sure it just takes place in a couple hours or mm -hmm. a little bit more ours is ours is quick it's about a little over two hours mm -hmm. uh, and it takes place in that time it's just that time frame and nice well it is, is a, it is an easy I was going to say easy. It's not an easy yeah. play, but it is one of the easier ones to read. Yeah, and it's right. short. And, right. it's, and, right. it, and there's something that's, as you said earlier, there's something that seems very simple about mm -hmm. it, uh, which is always something you got to watch out for yeah. because it's yeah. a trap. Yeah. Right. Uh, because there's much, there's <laughs> right. much depth to the play um, that you want to make sure the actors are mining and that they, they hold, they anchor it down to these real people, real emotions. Uh, because it can, as I said, it can kind of flight away into this little fantasy play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of, there are a number of, you know, smaller Shakespeare festivals around the country that will always do this as a comedy, mm -hmm. right? It's Shakespeare's, it's a comedy, it's his last comedy, and it's, it's not, there's a, it's, it's a harder play to categorize. Yeah, that's, that's, as I was reading it, it just, it struck me, I, I'm not quite sure, um, I mean, it's easy to see why people want it to be a, um, you know, a Shakespeare's play about himself in a sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Play about absolutely. A, you know, it's very a, tempting. A playwright. Uh, obviously, there are things that you have to see that way in some ways, yeah. right? Yeah. It's okay to do, I think. He's a, uh, you know, it is uh, one of his last plays. The, as you say, the last one he yeah. uh, probably wrote by himself. Um, so you do get a sense that it could be a kind of uh, ending thought. Yeah. Um, doesn't need to be exactly biographical as we talked already, right? Yeah, uh, I think the difference, I mean, today we're much more tempted to look into an author's writing as being about about them. Right. And I, I think one of the things that Shakespeare does really well, he doesn't say much about himself, but you certainly can, can call out of his work what he mm -hmm. was interested in, mm -hmm. things he was interested in. And this, again, I've always been struck by the, the theme of the, of the daughters at mm -hmm. the end of the, these, these last four plays of his. And he had two daughters, one, Joanna, uh, Susanna was, was, was the older one, ended up being the executor of his will and mm -hmm. was married a prominent doctor in town. But Joanna was the younger one and she got in trouble. She was going to be married and she, the guy she mar ended up marrying turned out had gotten some other woman pregnant and Shakespeare writes him out of the will, writes her out of the will, basically. So wow. there was a, there's a theme of a lost daughter in there somewhere. Well, that's interesting. Uh, Especially, interesting. Uh, you know, it does seem a strange, 
one treads lightly in these kinds of situations, right? But the, you know, the sexuality in the play exists in a single place, basically in Caliban, yep. and there isn't even any. I mean, he he requires that Ferdinand has no sexuality, right? right. You can't right. even think about yeah, this, right? Yeah. And Miranda's, you know, she's what she's fifteenish in yeah. the play, and she's, and she's a she's an island girl, right? She, yeah, <laughs> she's, she's just yes, and she's struck by the wonders of this brave right. new world, right? right? Which which is the old world come to her, it's, right? Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful phrase. When as you've well. never seen it before, but pros- right. as Prospero says, is new to you. Right, and in, in, in what you think is that, you know, the, uh, right? Yeah, right. Cause, and more nihilism from him, right? Yeah, I've seen this all before. Um, but the <laughs> the the sexuality is, a, is is part of the, I think, the undercurrent here, yeah. right, too? Yeah. So Prospero himself is alone on a, a desert island with his daughter. Yeah. And, you know, you can tiptoe around that a little bit, but as you mentioned before, there's clearly these, these issues going on in here. Mm-hmm. What, you know, um, how a, a father responds to his daughter, a daughter maturing into se- her own sexuality, mm. and then dealing with Caliban, who if is if we if we walk through your analogy as the id, yeah. right? That's that's Prospero's id, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's it's there in the play. Nobody, yeah. I don't know too many people that actually talk about it that way, but yeah, sure. it seems to be there, and yeah. it, maybe it's subtle, but it's the only sexuality in the play, really. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's a, it's a mean one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a bit of a struggle, and partly, uh, partly his anger is a part of this too, right? Like the, there seems to be, his, I don't know what's going on with him, right? There's some guilt somewhere, and like yeah, there just seems well, to be something he, wrong. Like uh, it's not just that he lost his. To me, well, like he, if you can be all powerful, magical yeah. guy, and um, which he is, yeah, clearly. Yeah, you but, shouldn't have trouble getting back home. But I, well, I don't know. You know, I, it, it, he, got, he has the spirit, which is part Ariel, of Ariel. Yes, and Ariel. Yeah. You know, who Ariel's? Right. We don't know where Ariel came from. Right. It was that she arrived with Sycorax, or she was the spirit of this island, yeah, trapped already. And maybe her power is only located to that island, yeah. or it's the yeah. We, we start to play our science yeah. fiction games. There yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Right. You never know. Right. And Shakespeare didn't care about any no, of that. He just right. you know put this. Is, I need this. I'm going to put this character in there. <laughs> right. But um, you do get the. I always get the impression that. That Prospero, he was starting to. He talks about the liberal arts in mm-hmm. his in his opening speech and telling his backstory, and that he um, then gets ousted out of his kingdom and this and that. And he he doesn't seem to have much magic or power then because mm-hmm. he would have been able to stop it and freeze them all as he does later on the yeah. island. Yeah. But I think in the course of the twelve years on the island, he's become this magician. Whatever, maybe he found Sycorax books or something. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he does mention the books that. Uh, Gonzalo, Gonzalo left him. loads on with him, loads to the and ship. And maybe right. the twelve years of isolation allowed him to right. kind of really dig into it. But he does. Right. He specifically talks about twelve years, twelve oh, years, right. Miranda. Right. And there's, there's a. He's been stewing on this and maybe mm. working at it. And now, as he says, there's a, a certain stars have aligned, and they just happen to be going by on their way back from Tunis mm. by my island. Yeah, and we're going to just happen to be. Gonna, yeah, we're going to pull them in and, and and exact my revenge. Right. So there's an obsession with that, which right. is ugly and mean. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that the the incident with Caliban and Miranda, uh, the attempted rape, I think he, I think that happened fairly recently, within the past several months of you know, if we're looking at the pre-story of the play, oh, uh-huh. which I think compels Prospero to then he needs to get her off the island. Gotcha. He needs to get her gotcha. home. He needs to get her back. You're properly married, right. yeah, and and to a young prince <laughs> right. and all this stuff, right, you know, which right. is kind of the storybook aspect right, of the right. play. I mean, the play does right. often feel like a fable mm-hmm. uh, in, in, sure. in the way those old medieval yeah. stories were yeah. told. Well, as you're talking about it, it made me imagine, um, you know, this ousted uh, duke in the tower, like uh-huh. just sitting in the Tower of London, mm-hmm. imagining right. how the world really could have been, and if he had 
been able to be John D or whatever and you know this great magician how he would change the world right, right? but he's still in the tower well there's, an, there's another character in Shakespeare's play Measure for Measure the Duke Vincenzo who is who again is someone in it, and he actually states that he says uh he's explained to someone why he why he's doing what he's doing he says I've always loved the life removed hmm. And Prospero mm-hmm. describes a life removed yeah. of one intellectual, and I, th- I think I think there's probably a little bit of Shakespeare in that yeah. description that mm-hmm. he liked the life removed. Um, Where do you come down on the whole civilization, you know, nature, um, corruption aspect? You know, a lot of a lot of this play is, you know, the nat- natural man is as corrupt in a sense, but he's only corrupt by, or or we see him in the space of his corruption within his relationships with civilized people mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so who's to say what he was like before that natural man yeah, was, what was incorruptible like? right? and, and he says that, it himself yeah. right if if not for your language all i learned was how to curse you know it didn't right. didn't help me to know right. these words right um you know miranda says at some point i taught you to put words on your right. actions as right. if this matters right right so i could know I you, taught you I one think. thing or another right, right. right. Yeah. so um you know the question is you know t- taken up is what 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 do we do with these with this language? Yeah. You know what what and we create art, but is art yeah. is art something we should? I, th- I think in Elizabethan sense. times that that was looked at as much more of a of a good thing mm-hmm. that people you know you can imagine a lot of his audience, which was illiterate, sitting there listening to someone who was they were taught you taught you language, and this is right. this is about how we get on in the world. Right. I think uh, later in, in the in the romantic the romanticized version of it, it was about the noble savage, you know, right. and like, sure. all that stuff with Rousseau sure. and everything, which mm-hmm. took off on that. And uh, and that's you know the, 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 that's the one of the the downsides of these plays sometimes they've been talked about ad infinitum. Yes. And, and taken sure. apart and sure. you know you know thesis papers are written sure. on what would have happened if Romeo and Juliet had lived <laughs> you know and like who cares <laughs> you, no, know? Yeah. No. you know that's a fair point yeah sure. absolutely yeah. and it is it, it would be and it, you do try I think in a lot of these editions uh, we have I have the Arden here in front of me but you know a lot of the editions that we tried to give you a sense of this is the only way to necessarily understand this historically yeah right so uh, you do have these uh, um, uh, accounts of of, of you know uh, the Americas you know and the accounts yeah. of savages uh-huh. and, right. and these are all fanciful accounts too because yeah. they are serving a propaganda purpose of trying to sell people to come and right. and you know live there and 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 denude the island uh, denude places so other people can come and then populate them without fear of savages mm-hmm. later right so so all these things are are a part of that and of course uh, you know everybody talks about Montaigne's on cannibals right, and, right. and you know what what this means in terms of civilization civilization is is good and it or civilization always corrupts mm-hmm. nature mm-hmm. it's always corrupting nature and there's mm-hmm. like a, a this sort of a caliban aerial response to these things right do it do i agree with one or the other you know right. or i'm in the middle somewhere i mm-hmm. i don't know i'm a not i don't like technology it scares me so i'm i'm kind of a uh corrupting like I think everything's corrupted. Nature's well. Corrupted. In a way, I mean, the, the technology in the play turns out to be the, the magic, really, right. and, and which is which in, is something that Prospero has to give up. At the he end. does give it up. So it's he an calls interesting it rough point, magic. Right. It's, it's an interesting point magic. to give it up, yeah. right? To say I'm going to now go not back. manipulate yeah. the world. Yeah, happily or not, it's hard to say. Right, go back home. Go back home and, and <laughs> wait to die, <laughs> and think about death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you want to say about the play that I, we haven't touched on, or what you're I, doing? I, I hope people come and enjoy it. I mean, you, sure. you, you, you were touching on 
there's as we said, there's so many thematic elements right, in these plays sure. sometimes that sure. to try to get them all out or try mm-hmm. to elucidate them in some ways or illuminate mm-hmm. them for an audience, uh, mm-hmm. it can be overwhelming. And uh, it, one of the things that's great about the plays that pe- or any of Shakespeare's plays, but particularly this one, that people come and see uh, all kinds of things mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. um, if we do it well. So you know, that's, that's, that's that's the trick. Well, I appreciate your joining me today, Henry Warrenet. Warren it. <laughs> you got it. Henry Warren it. Thanks for joining me on Interchange. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, you're welcome. This is good. Yeah. I had fun.